permit me to take a moment to set the stage, if you will, literally and figuratively for what we are engaging in today. I'll do that with the words of George Santayana uh, and his famous quote as Spanish philosopher, historian, who said that those who do not recall the past are destined to repeat it. It is words worthy of consideration as we on this historic day, uh, a day after our president signed uh, legislation that makes Juneteenth a national holiday. In the signing of that, his words were great nations don't ignore their most painful moments, but instead they're remembering them and remembering them, it helps them to heal. It is in that remembrance that Santa Ana encouraged us about our history and in the signing of that uh, national declaration of this day of Juneteenth, that we recall the, 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 the moments that brought us to this, the tragic moments, the sad moments, but now let us allow the healing to begin. Uh, let us continue to remember. In our own community, we were very, very blessed with the presence of the Peterson family, Boris and Barbara, who very much uh, invited us to recall our painful past so that we can heal together as a community, as a nation. We're very, very privileged uh, in addition to having them as members of our community and then through their legacy, Nikita, who came here as a student of Rockhurst and as a Rockhurst alumna, continues that legacy and has assisted and invited us to continue to heal by inviting us to make sure that we don't just forget the past, but that we collectively start to use those memories so that we can heal. And she has very much been in an effort in encouraging us and our community uh, to embrace healthy lifestyles, that we truly are in this together. As a Jesuit university, we speak of uh, recalling and being grateful uh, for where we are, as well as grateful for what has taken place because it instructs us, it trains us, it allows us, in fact, to heal. And we continue to ask ourselves, so what did we learn? And what did we learn is that we have much more work to do. But let us continue to work together and, and assisting us in how we do the work together. And now I'm going to invite back onto campus and onto the stage here, Nikita, uh, who leads the Juneteenth KC efforts and has been acknowledged and, and applauded and lauded for those uh, to speak about her work. Uh, and assisted by in a conversation about this as we do all things in the form of a conversation with our own Alicia Douglas. Alicia and Nikita, please join us. Thank you, Makita, for being here with us today. This is really exciting that we get to celebrate Juneteenth here at Rockhurst. And thank you everyone for participating here with us today. Um, again, this is really exciting. It's always great when we have uh, one of our alumni be able to come back and share wisdom with us here at Rockhurst, which is one of our core values, and to talk through uh, all the things that you have been a part of and been doing when it comes to Juneteenth, your leadership uh, with Juneteenth and in Kansas City. Uh, I think there, we have a, a bit robust conversation. I think that's ahead today. So here's, here's kind of the run of show, what we're gonna do. Um, I'm going to, to, to have conversation here with Nikita, ask her a few questions. And when we get through that, um, we're gonna open it up for our audience members here and online, uh, because we do have some folks who are joining us from Zoom today uh, to also ask some questions. So uh, this is a, a wonderful learning opportunity for us and, it, and a, an exciting and auspicious um, historical moment for us here. So Makita, again, thank you so much. So I'm gonna begin um, by asking you, 
about um, just some, a little bit general stuff first. So what is Juneteenth and why should everyone commemorate this holiday? Well, it's a perfect way to start the conversation, especially with um, the legislation that just passed to really recognize and put everyone on, a, I guess, a, the same ground here in the United States in terms of recognizing the importance of emancipation. Juneteenth um, recognizes and celebrates the official um, day of, a, I, um, of liberation for slaves that were in Galveston, Texas. Um, in 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, and a lot of um, a lot of America just assume now in current history that, that freed all the slaves. That oh, okay, when he signed that, he said that it was done and over with. But it actually took two years for Union soldiers to actually go into the South and actually physically free the slaves. Um, of course, slave owners in the South did not want to release slave slave labor because the United States was so um, reliant on slave labor to make it through, especially the colonial period of the United States at that time. But um, so soldiers actually had to physically go in and had, had, there was a continued advocacy and fighting for the liberation of African-American slaves um, it, during that time. So Juneteenth really celebrates the official um, day of emancipation for the enslaved because that is a big shift right now. We really don't want to be calling, say, slaves. Because when you say you're a slave, that really implies that that is your status, that it's supposed to be. But when you say enslaved, it really puts ownership on what's happening in the situation. So 1865 really, um, really cements the day of um, freedom for African-Americans and is a day of celebration for our, our culture. Yeah, and that is truly, as I hear you talk about it, we talk about you know what has happened in our culture in America. This is really an American story, an American holiday. Um, now, yeah, definitely yeah, an American holiday because this is something that really intersects with so many different lives, so many different people. Um, and you know, thinking about this as well, what is the connection to your family with Juneteenth? Well, my father was the founder of the um, Negro League Baseball Museum, the American Jazz Museum, and the Black Archives of Mid-America. Um, and so he originally um, brought the Juneteenth celebrations to Kansas City in the early 80s. Um, he had went down um, to Texas and had seen the celebrations, saw what that meant for the community, that ability to come together to reunite. Um, and really thought that that was um, the best platform to bring back to Kansas City to one, educate, but then also celebrate African-American advancement and progression. Um, and so in the early 80s, he brought the celebrations here and then really started to really start um, making groundbreaking partnerships. He started partnering early on with the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art and was actually one of the, what was the first um, individual to actually bring the Emancipation Proclamation out of Washington, D.C. So, um, and that actually took some research to find. The Nelson recently over the last five years had taken more of, um, uh, had a, has built a stronger presence in acknowledging and celebrating Juneteenth. But then they went and started doing research to really understand, okay, well, what did our presence in the community in Juneteenth look like? And they actually went back and found out that, oh, wait, we actually brought the Emancipation Proclamation in partnership with the archives. So just understanding the, um, the depth of those relationships and where you know those um, lines started to get, um, I guess, merged together in communities. Because that was a big point um, at time during, um, for the Nelson to bring that one, that exhibit to partner with an African-American association and then make the um, exhibit open and accessible to all members of the community at that time. That's wonderful, that's wonderful. And so would you talk a little bit more about the Black Archives? And, you know, and the legacy that the Black Archives has and what they're doing right now. Yep, the Black Archives is an amazing institution. They actually um, store all um, African-American um, related history, uh, yearbooks. I mean, anything that is um, that is tangible that can be documented to um, really um, I guess really to really document African-American culture in the Midwest. And so anybody can go to the, um, the archives and physically go into the collection and look up, look through yearbooks, look through old pictures. Um, there's actually a considerable, considerable amount of photos that they're still trying to identify that they've had donated, that they're trying to figure out, okay, well, who's this person, the significance? And it's really a continuation of telling the story. Um, my father was very much um, about um, taking history and bringing it to a community level by telling the story and also recording those stories. And if that's what um, is also the goal of the archives is to make sure that our history isn't lost, it's not forgotten, and it's stored in a safe um, facility that is going to um, 
house those things as, as if they were treasures. Yeah, and, and I've had the opportunity to be able to go through the, the, um, the Black Archive and the, there is a, an exhibit where you can walk through and actually see really kind of the story of Kansas City and see the story of, of Black Kansas City as a region and to, to see all of the different dimensions of the people here, the rich history that's here. So I think people think of, they think about jazz, mm -hmm. they think about baseball, you know, which are great, but then there you get really deep into it where you see the social aspects, you see the clubs, you see um, people who are golf, the golfing clubs. I mean, that was something that was really interesting. People who really dug deep, you know, into that. And I think about here in our own community uh, by Rockhurst where there, you know, is someone who I went to college with who's actually building a golf course, you know, here close by. Um, and, and how deep those kinds of roots run uh, here and, and, the, and the black community that has, that has grown so much and has such that of a, of a rich history. And what you've continued to do is you've, you have actually picked up and run with your father's legacy uh, with Juneteenth KC. So tell us a little bit about Juneteenth KC and, and what, what are you doing with that? Well, Juneteenth KC is a 501c3 organization. So we are based here in Kansas City. We're about five years old now as a 501c3. And we really focus on um, um, providing um, healthy community engagements and opportunities that really positively promote African-American culture and pride. Um, in addition to that, we also provide social services, really being a wraparound agency um, and really addressing um, some of our community issues or um, even misconceptions, I think. Um, and by definitely uh, using our virtual platform, which is JuneteenthKC.com to provide education and really open up conversations and even some difficult conversations. I mean, there are, especially when you look at the state of Missouri, um, and if you really do the research when it comes to racial relations, Missouri has quite um, a history in the past. Um, we just now, in, in the Black Archives, they actually have an exhibit by the Equal Justice Initiative, which is, is, is an amazing exhibit. It's actually, um, uh, uh, monuments to the um, to individuals that were lynched here in Missouri, mm -hmm. um, and so they're actually bringing in soil from these sites that have been identified. They've identified who was lynched, um, and if there's stories that could be told towards what research was done. But um, and if you just to stand in the room and just see all these you know pillars of people that have been taken from our community, um, and really more just realizing, and they actually as we research, we find that Missouri um, out, outside of the South is one of the hot the large has the largest number of lynchings um, on record. Um, and so to understand that and then to look at the history of Kansas City, when you talk about the truce divide and then all these other dynamics, it really goes into how a community is developed and then also how a community also learns to um, persevere and grow from that. Um, and so really, again, opening up difficult conversations, but opening up the conversations for everyone to be welcome welcome to the table and learn. Um, I know last year due to Black Lives Matter and a lot of the um, um, protests we were seeing, our website had a huge, um, um, a huge impact and a reach. We were getting um, pings all the way from Tokyo, Australia, Russia, um, and all individuals who are interested in just learning more about, okay, what did it mean to be an African-American during that? Like, what are they talking about, you know? Um, and so that opening that conversation and even to a, a balancing to just realize that emancipation and slavery also touched all parts of the globe. There are other nations that were touched by slavery and there's this underlying truth that we all innately believe that everyone has a right to be free under what circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so that coming together worldwide and supporting Juneteenth and our celebration has really grown our, our organization to, to really go far beyond what we really had intended, had um, really sought out. Again, we're way more than just a party. Um, the festival is just the one fun day. We get to cram everything all at once, but we actively engage 365 days a year and try our best to provide real programming um, that really is gonna get people to think and then get past to just what they're seeing on social media, what they might see. Cause even just for example, like with the Billy and I, and I learn every day, like even with the Billy Holiday movie, you know, a lot of the kids nowadays will see that and say, oh, well, Billy Holiday wrote this song and it's her music, but no, if you really look into the, the, the origins of Strange Fruit, it was written by um, a Jewish um, teacher 
who witnessed the lynchings at, after a circus. He wrote the poem. She heard about the song, was moved by it. And then that's where the popularity and that's where it kind of really picked up steam. So just really boiling down to the real um, to, to the real history and just not popular, popular, you know, what the buzzworthy parts of it are. Right. Right. So really digging into history mm -hmm. and learning more about where, where we all come from. Uh, that, I think that's really powerful. Are there any additional accomplishments that you would like to share with us that, that, you've, uh, that you've been able to, to achieve over the years? Well, the, the Juneteenth becoming a city holiday was the biggest one. We just That's recently huge. passed ordinance, um, and I don't know the numbers like two one zero some 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 some, um, <laughs> but we recently passed that ordinance, which was a huge feat. I mean, really, we kind of and it was funny because we passed ours. And it just seemed like everybody's like, okay, wait a minute, we're late to the party. So then everybody else started, because then Frank White passed it at the county, and then we quickly heard about it passing um, at the federal level. So um, it just really picked up momentum. And I mean, I think it's an amazing time. I know everyone has mixed feelings about, okay, is this, I know people think, is this just a Band-Aid on it? Or are we just doing this now? Um, and I find that to be interesting. Like, you know, I, I always find it interesting because first I was mad I wasn't getting acknowledged, now I'm getting acknowledged, and you know, it's all these, you know, these, these different thoughts. So um, I, I find it to be, you know, an amazing moment, and it literally allows all all parts of our communities to understand our our story matters. Mm -hmm. You know, our day of emancipation matters, um, and it's it is it's huge. As a child, we all and I grew up, you know, um, celebrating the Fourth of July and popping fireworks. But then it came a realization like, well, wait a minute, when it really, the, the date that, you know, we, we won our, or we got our independence from Great Britain, we, you know, slaves were not free. We were still, you know, enslaved at that time. Um, we're not invited to any kind of party. So it's just, you know, while, again, I, I, I'm glad I'm not under British rule, you know, that's all part of the history, but we have to acknowledge that there was still a lot of work that had to be done for every individual in, this, in the United States to really be an American citizen and have full rights. That's right. That's right. And, it, you know, it takes a certain type of leadership to get that kind of thing done. When you talk about getting a proclamation, you know, pushed through at the city level and things like that. Technically, you know, you were you were ahead of the federal government <laughs> with getting this pushed through. What was that process like, you know, for you to go through? It was interesting. Honestly, there was a lot of city council representatives that wanted to support it, that had really came to say, hey, you know, we, this is what we can do and this is and they provided really and I'll be honest they provided me with the steps you know it really um I wish I could say I wrote the ordinance and I knew how to do I really don't do politics that much I just more so I I'm I I I'm in the room sometimes and they let me be part of the conversation, the greatness happening. But we definitely align, you know, really um, align with them to help get it out to the community. One thing we are able to do is um, to share messaging. So we were able to get um, members of the community to actually give testimony, which they said really helped with that process and really just educating. I mean, having the conversation out there, getting it out on social media, really allowing people to um, see what work is being done. Um, and we have had many conversations with city officials um, and last year we did a few series with um, Mayor Quentin Lucas, we call it uh, Coffee and Conversations, where it's even an education on how do you advocate as an individual? How do you pass, like, what, do, what do you do to really promote change in your community? One ma major conception and one thing we like to try to break, especially within our own community, is the, the run to call Mayor Quentin Lucas. To kind of, well, I'm calling the mayor and I'm going to do this, and if I tag the mayor, he'll fix it. And if you really understand Kansas City politics and really understand how the structure can, the mayor of Kansas City really doesn't do that much. <laughs> he's, I mean, he really doesn't. I mean, I love Mayor Lucas, don't get me wrong, but he's a great guy. But when it comes to how power is, um, um, is divided within the city officials, your city council rep has way more power than the mayor. They dictate where the money goes. They dictate what's happening um, on a day-to-day -day basis. So they, even that knowledge to understand, okay, I, you get every time you guys get mad, you want to tag the mayor you'd have way better more um, bang to your conversation if you start tagging your city council rep and you start calling them and being more present. And I think that's one thing I have, you know, because one question people ask me is like, well, who, who, who told you you could do it? And I just find that to be a very interesting question. You know, I like, who told me? I was like, I wanted to do it. Like I looked it up. Every, you know, our system is based on that private citizens can access and do it if they 
research and look it up and fill out the form. And it's an easy form. So, you know, it's just like if you really have put it in your mind that you want to do something, everybody has the capability to do it. That's right. And, and then really it's just the education of understanding too the proper channels, how you really do it. And then too, just not stopping. I mean, I know I the, the credit I get is that Makita will send an email and copy everybody and then recopy and say, well, did you see the, you know, like keeping that, staying consistent and not just stopping because, okay, somebody didn't respond to my email. I'll, you just you just go further up the chain and say, okay, well, I tried her first and then, okay, so can you possibly help because she didn't respond and you'll be surprised how how quick you start getting stuff done. So that that's probably my biggest <laughs> lesson with that one. Yes, persistence, communication. That's yes. what I'm hearing when yes. we work with the city. All right, so take that to heart when you got you need to get something done and downtown. email, you always want and email. email. <laughs> don't meet them in this, don't meet them on the side. They say, well, I, they promised me this verbally. I go straight to my computer. I type it via email and I send it to them because they, they make a lot of promise. Not no shade. They make a lot of promises, but it's not real until it's in writing. And then it's not in that, and that in writing means it's in email and you copy a couple people. So everybody sees it. So. <laughs> All right. All right. That's awesome. That's, that's great. Thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that. That's really cool. <laughs> I love city politics. So that's, you know, you so you're my speaking job. my language you right can. now. <laughs> so, uh, so look, looking back, so let's reflect for a minute on your Rockhurst experience. And so looking at the things that you do now, how has your Rockhurst experience helped you do some of the things that you do? How is, how is, you know, how did, how has that helped you create some of these things? I just love Rocker. I just speak so highly of Rockhurst. I, I mean, it's, it's service through leadership, you know, um, and, you know, um, or leadership through service. Um, and that's just what I believe I was, I, when I was coming here at Rockhurst, doing the community service projects, really learning. Um, I got my degree in nonprofit management, but really, get, you know, working with the teachers here that really had us working in the community um, was something that I really valued um, and appreciated. And it really just set the tone for my whole career. I understood that, you know, the money will come, you know, the, the if you really are passionate about what you do, if you really are wanting to make that impact, then as long as you, you know, as long as you push forward and you're really going with that spirit of service um, and serving um, the underserved, I, I believe you, it'll all balance out and you're, you will be successful. Um, Rockhurst really ingrained that to me. I, the well-rounded education I received also um, allowed me to be open to different perspectives, um, understand that it's better to have a little bit of everything, a little touch of everything, um, to really understand that, you know, we all, um, one that we, we all have different experiences, but it, there's an underlying, um, there can be an underlying theme within all of them too. Be um, to be supportive and to be um, progressive as as a community, um, and I really speak very highly of my Jesuit education. I, I being here in Kansas City and then understanding how Rockhurst too stays connected with the community. Um, I always got that sense that when I signed up for classes or I was doing my work, we were again working with agencies in the community, cleaning up grass lots in the community, helping to organize um, and understanding that the overall, um, the goal is to, you know, serve and to help um, really, uh, to, to serve and help show the, I guess, and uh, just to help serve, I guess, I'll end up that, I'll start rambling. <laughs> it's all good. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. And thank you for sharing that, sharing that out. Um, because I know for those of us here who, who work here? I, we, we're, our hope is that is that you are getting the tools that any student who comes here is getting the tools that they need to go out and be successful in the world. And right now, you are demonstrating that and demonstrating that you're sharing out that legacy um, for, for Rockhurst. And I think you're also sharing that legacy out for your family as well. Um, would you share with us what? Uh, so this going back to your family again, um, what your father might say. So what did, would, would he say about the legacy, um, his legacy? What would he say, uh, what his legacy, what would he say, let me say, I'm gonna read it just directly. What do you think he would want to be said of his legacy in the community? Um, I mean, I think what he would just wanna say is that he made it accessible to all. Like I, 
he was not he was not about staying at a high scholarly level. You know, he, he I think when you go into museums, you think, OK, it's supposed to be a high level exhibit. We're bringing these, you know, these speakers that are just, you know, speaking at such a high level that you know, only um, only educators would be in the room or, or some uh, people of that level. But he was really more interested about the school, the busload of kids coming through or even me as a child. That's that's what I always remember was the ability to just run through exhibits and, and play freely and just feel comfortable within that setting. And I think that's that's what he would be happy to see is that people feel comfortable um, in, 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 I guess, our community and within um, the different elements of the programs that can be offered and that they can be at a community level, they can be easy to digest and that you can still get the same amount of information. And really just too, you can spark the interest. I think that was really the goal too, is that, hey, if I could just spark a curiosity, um, if I can get them in the room and just have a little something where, okay, maybe just slipped in maybe one or two good facts, but they still want more. Um, and that was his inspiration. And I think now seeing the Jazz Museum, because he, he passed in 92, um, I was, and that just really, I kind of go on tangent to say, that's where I too, with Juneteenth KC, want to people to understand the impact that we have the ability to make, um, especially as, because I was only six, year old, six years old when he passed away. But I very much remember my father, the sense that my, of his being. Um, I remember what it felt like to be at Juneteenth, a Juneteenth celebration with him and that sense of community. I remember the smells, I remember the sights, I remember just the emotion as a child. And since then, um, and also I remember the embodiment of him being great. And so I, that's really what molded me to be the adult I am today. Mm -hmm. And a lot of um, research you'll see is that, that that pivotal moment in a child's life is from birth to five. Mm -hmm. And so really to understand if we can make that impact early on, and then especially in areas and in, in underserved areas and in, in urban communities, if we are able to counteract those adverse experiences that these these children might be facing. And it's just not necessarily in terms of gun violence, adverse childhood experiences could even be lost um, due to death, you know, mm -hmm. divorce. I mean, we all experience those, uh, we all have those types of experiences, but it's understanding that in our community and that's where Juneteenth Casey found the mission is like, hey, if I can infuse as much positive uh, engagements as possible and uh, ways for their kids to feel positive relationships, to see what a healthy relationship within their community is, we can start to combat the um, stereotypes. Because one thing you will see now, and, and I've noticed even now with, and that definitely there's there, the violence um, within, especially with gun violence has become an epidemic, um, especially in Kansas City. We, our community really wants to know, or is trying to figure out how do we, what do we, how do we fix that? Um, or how do we address it? Um, but I believe though, really by, again, adding these positive interactions that we can start to counteract the, the, those issues. And then to teach, the, teach our community that we don't have to fear our community, that it's not normal for us to be, okay, if I go in this area, am I gonna be safe? Am I gonna be, mm -hmm. especially if it's, our, if it's our own culture, you know, to be that innately or to have that innate fear of your own community, I, that itself is a problem. And I mean, it's perpetuated as well from, you know, media, you know, propaganda from the early 80s. So it's all, you know, a culmination of, a, um, of what was done in the past. But as we start to move forward with our organization, we really want to, um, again, address it as, as the best I know can, as, as we can by offering, you know, again, more social engagements, positive engagements, having open conversations where we're talking about it, um, and then to hopefully identifying solutions and ways we can grow and, and resolve the issues. Wow. The, well, and this takes me to my next question a little bit. What is next? So what, so, so those are, those are some of the things that you really want to see some of those, some of those high level goals. Uh, and really, I would say that goes so far beyond Juneteenth. That's really talking about, you know, how do we begin to really change our society and how, how we look at ourselves, how we look at each other. Um, but, you know, in terms of Juneteenth KC, are there some next steps? Are there, are there, what's, what's next? What's the, what's the big goal next for you? We're going on vacation. <laughs> <I'm> tired. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, we definitely, uh, honestly, so with the, with the passing of the ordinance, I mean, that was huge, but we definitely realized that there's opportunity, you know, especially if we're able, you know, to be viewed at a different level with the passage of that ordinance. Um, 
One thing we definitely are going to, and we're going to talk about it on the main stage tomorrow with Mayor Quentin Lucas and Melissa Robinson is a discussion about reparations. Um, reparations is probably the next hot topic of discussion within our community. Um, there is, an, um, and I'm not going to remember their names off the top of my head, but there is an organization that has been actively working in our community right now to develop that legislation and to build awareness around it. Um, there are cities that have already paid out reparations, so there is a model where it has happened. Um, and so we believe that that would be the next step to have those conversations or figure out how do we advocate and teach our community how to advocate that as the next step. Um, outside of that, we, all, we will continue to develop programming. Um, we really take, I do take some downtime, I'm not gonna lie, uh, especially with everything we've had here, but we will, um, we do host, um, again, more social uh, activities such as the first Friday celebration in the 18th Divine Historic Jazz District. We are the official host of that. So we will stay in the district every first Fridays with free activities and in, um, in, in the, that retail, retail vendor community festival type of setting. But we also offer community programs throughout the year. We have a family resilience program where we offer supportive services and direct aid to families here in Kansas City um, in partnership with Healthy Blue Missouri um, and also Home State at Health. Um, we do mobile distributions. We actually do one every week um, in the month of June. Um, so every Thursday we are setting up at a community um, site and we're providing um, fresh produce, pantry items. Um, the Dairy Farmers of America are providing um, fresh um, are providing dairy products. <laughs> um, and then we also give away free hygiene products, all a ton of stuff that members of the community, and we, we serve at least five counties, Jackson, Johnson, Platt, Cass, and Clay County are able to drive up on site to receive those materials. Um, and then outside of the month of June, we usually hold those quarterly. Um, we also host quarterly community baby showers. So we take care of our moms that are expecting, and we provide them with diapers, baby wipes, pack and plays. We also do safe sleep training. Uh, we work very heavily with the Healthy Blue Missouri and um, Home State Health again to provide um, safe sleep education for um, underserved communities um, to reduce the risk of sudden infant death and sudden, sudden, sudden unexpected death syndrome. Um, and then also we host community playgroup forums. So we work with um, the Ivanhoe Gardens. We um, currently host a bi-weekly playgroup where families from the community can come learn how to garden. We have gardening beds that they actually will tend to throughout the weeks and they have fresh crops um, and a pumpkin patch and the kiddos can learn about gardening, play around in the dirt and moms can go inside, have lunch and just kind of have a, a moment to not be running after the kiddos. So we do again, a diverse array of programming um, and really all about partnership. We always are looking for active partners to grow um, you know, new programming, new ideas. I mean, we, we really, think all the way outside of the box in terms of what we can do. We have a new scavenger hunt that you guys might enjoy. If you go to JuneteenthKC.com, there's a virtual scavenger hunt that actually identifies um, African-American historical sites throughout the greater Kansas City area. And so we came up with riddles. And so you solve the riddle, it'll tell you the answer, and then it'll direct you to that site. Um, and so we have some really cool ones on there, but it's actually a fully um, interactive virtual um, platform that really gets people moving around in Kansas City and, and really looking at some of these um, amazing mo monuments. One great one, if you've never been to the Quindaro Ruins, you need to go out to the Quindaro Ruins. It is a site um, on the um, African-American Railroad map thing where uh, slaves came out for freedom um, at, at Quindaro. So of course, Missouri was still a slave state. So they actually got free, they um, escaped to freedom on, at, at Quindaro. And if you go there, there's an actual monument. If you're, if you're not scared and if you have your boots on, you can actually go, and I'm the type that I go down and travel into it. And it's really, it's really amazing. Um, I, I just like to walk around into the woods and just be there. Cause it's, it's, it, it's a stand at that site and just realize this is where some, this is where people came out to freedom um, and to be in that moment um, and be so close to Kansas City. It's just, it's just an amazing site. Wow. Well, wow, that is absolutely amazing. You're doing such great work. I just, I'm so proud to sit here <laughs> you and listen me, to Alicia, it. You, 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 that I promise, Rockhurst really motivated me. Like we used to do amazing projects. Rockhurst gave me the freedom to be creative. I had supportive faculty because you let us do, you let us do a lot. We did the haunted house. You let me take over the community center and we made an amazing haunted house for the community to come and enjoy. Um, we just did an amazing stuff with Rockhurst. I would love to start doing that because I loved engaging the science department because we had a little science lab part where kids could see the science experiments that the kids you know the students here were doing so really and truly I really dedicate or I really attribute a lot of where I am to my Rockhurst education because it was so ingrained that we are here 
to not only learn, but we're also here to, to serve our community, and especially being such a monument in the middle of where we are here in the neighborhood, in the community. I mean, it just speaks volumes. I mean, I know there were rumors even too when I was in school that Rockhurst might be moving or might be going, you know, going out south and things like that. But Rockhurst made it a point to stay here and be part of this community. And I mean, that speaks volumes. And, um, and I, so I really do attribute a lot of where I am to, to my education. And I say, Rockhurst is great. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And we are here in the city for good. We, we most certainly are. So we're gonna go ahead and open it up for, for questions from our audience, uh, both online. We go with Gina, uh, Christy's gonna come by with the microphone uh, for folks who are here. Um, and we will make sure that we're paying attention to both online and here in person, but go ahead. So um, good afternoon and thank you again so much for being here. I'm so proud of you as an alumna. Um, definitely wanna honor your father and his legacy and all the wonderful things that he planted for our community, especially as we're going into Father's Day weekend. And um, congratulations on just elevating something that I assume both of us have had uh, known about since we were young children. And now there's a whole new spotlight on it. We know at the federal level, um, how quickly things happened was fantastic, but yet even our own federal employees aren't able to enjoy this holiday this year. When you think and project to one year from now, what do you hope um, your alma mater and or your city how they would participate in um, this now federal holiday when you put that on the lens of higher education. And I do wanna say um, congratulations on the parade last weekend. And I know that there was a, a large higher education presence. So just want your thoughts more so around higher education and as a predominantly white institution, when we talk about a sense of belonging, um, what are some of the things we would want to do as we don't have traditional historically black Greek organizations or some of the other built-in social opportunities, what guidance would you give us as an institution? Well, I will say one thing, the city actually was off today. The city of Kansas City made their bill or our um, ordinance retroactive. So that was one thing we did get to yet. So they got to enjoy today off. So that was a big step. But, um, and I, I, we get that question a lot, is, you know, especially when, you know, it's not an, uh, an African-American organization that's wanting to reach out, that's wanting to connect. They, you know, I know there's a sense of, you know, can we come? Are we welcome? You know, where do we fit in that? Um, and we really, truly need as much help as possible. You know, we want that support. Um, and again, we, we really um, open the door for everyone to, to have involvement. Um, next year, we're definitely gonna offer a lot more volunteer opportunities for people to serve. Um, believe it or not, that parade, there was probably like maybe four of us <laughs> that was working that whole parade. So we're really a very, 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 very small organization. So definitely having hands on the ground with our mobile distributions as well, um, just having hands to help. I mean, I guess at this, at this point, it's not about um, who's black, who's white, who's Mexican. It's really about Again, who cares about freedom? Who cares about their community? And again, who's willing to come to the table and you know open up, open up the relationship? Um, again, when we, when we talk about um, slavery, when we talk about the civil rights movement, when we talk about Black Lives Matter, it's always going to be an uncomfortable subject. I mean, especially for an individual that wasn't here when that stuff was happening. Like, look, I wasn't here. I didn't know my great, great grandfather was doing all that, all that stuff. So we, it's not about still blaming you for the transgressions of those before you, you know, you, but definitely wanting to acknowledge it though. You know, we say, okay, you know, what we did was, it was horrible. You know, we never want to do it again. And so what can we do to rebuild and, and, and really cement the fact that we will not repeat history that, that and this is what we can do to ensure that that doesn't happen. And that's what Juneteenth really is about. It's the fact that if we don't continue to tell the story or continue to remind our kiddos, then that's, that's where the real um, education's happening so that they don't grow up not knowing about Juneteenth, not knowing or just thinking, oh, that was so long ago. It, it really was not that long ago. Um, and, and this understanding too, that even now the rights that we have to vote um, to, those are amendments, you know, those, so those things could easily be taken back as well. And so understanding the continued advocacy and participation um, within politics, um, 
education is is very important because we have to continue to tell the story and grow. But definitely um, getting involved in community service projects is amazing. But even being part of the community, I think one misconception or one thing that rubs the community the wrong way is we go to the table saying, well, this is, we go in assuming what we need to be doing. We, we assume, oh, um, we, we need to go in and, and clean the neighborhood and do all this stuff instead of going in and kind of seeing what needs to be done first or being asked or saying, you know, well, what do you think and really doing the research? And, it's, and it, you can't um, discredit it. It comes from a very genuine place, but that's where it becomes even offensive or it can be like, well, you know, hey, we've already been doing that or, you know, can you join our fold and kind of see what really needs to be addressed? Um, and getting past, again, what, what stereotypes or what we just assume is going on. Because again, I'll even say with like the community cleanups, a lot of people say, well, we want to come and clean up the jazz district. This kids, the city of Kansas City provides a whole maintenance team to clean the jazz district every day. <laughs> they come, they sweep the streets, they pull the trash. So that's not really a big, it sounds great, but literally when that's happening, it's really more photo ops. Like, hey, we came down here and cleaned. But there is a whole crew that comes and does that. Street sweepers, you know, really having an impact is being like at the mobile distributions, being on site, being, and really just being present. Um, Target is um, uh, sending volunteers this weekend. And I just think the, 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 the visibility of their brand and in our community walking around being friendly being just passing out stuff mm -hmm. that speaks more volumes to our community because that's a brand that we've never we don't see you down here we don't we go and shop you know when we go and we support them but to have a, a the visual presence speaks way more volumes and is building that relationship that that we're wanting to get so so again becoming more present just being part of it the 18th divine jazz district is and you know i know everyone there's been some horrible things that have happened over the last few months. You know, again, violence has touched every part of Kansas City. Um, but it, there really are some amazing personalities in the Jazz District. We just hang out. We have a great time. And everyone is truly welcome. And then, too, we're excited to see people that don't look like us. Like, a lot of the photos I'll put out, like, look at how diverse they look. Like, I'm like, look at, and they're comfy, you guys comfortable. They're walking around. Kiddos just sitting up all colors, just sitting on the side of the street, just, just hanging out, just eating a snow cone. That's the goal. That's what we're really looking for. And it shows that there's real natural engagement happening within the community. Do we have any questions from, from Zoom? Okay, yes, we do. So uh, Samuel asks, with the progression of our language, like saying enslaved people versus slaves, is it good and necessary language development for people to become more comfortable using the label Black Americans instead of African Americans? Um, I really don't have, um, I mean, that's, I, mm, I think that also goes into how that individual identifies. You will find in our culture, everyone feels differently about where we tie our roots. Um, I consider myself to be African-American, um, but I also consider myself to be black. I, I, you know, I, I really don't I, don't, I don't think, I think how you define yourself has to be, I, has to be done by that person. Because again, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of conceptions on even too with African culture being, are African-Americans accepted by Africans, you know? So it's just, there's so many dynamics um, in, into the, the, how we define ourselves. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I think it's really more how you personally identify because then as we do research, we're finding out our origins um, and more of the research is happening into identifying our roots. Um, it's just more about how you, how you want to tell your story, I think. Questions from our Arube audience. I have a question. Um, Makita, maybe if you wanted to share the, the URL, the website for people so they could get online and see the activities planned for tomorrow. Yep, JuneteenthKC.com. There's actually an activity schedule and, it, and there's stuff all throughout the month of June. Um, and we are still taking workshops. So is there, if there's any faculty or alumni here that would like to host a workshop or a conversation, you can just you can enter in directly and we will add it to the calendar. Um, that would be really great. I think if I had a Rockers workshop, so I'll just put a wish list in. Um, and then also just our website is huge. We have um, 
a, a feature page for the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art, which will take you to um, their um, virtual celebration, which is featuring work from the African-American Artist Collective, which has amazing pieces. Um, mm -hmm. It's a virtual, um, a virtual exhibit that's available online. We have the scavenger hunt that is available on there. Um, we also have a, a feature for the Billie Holiday exhibit that is at the American Jazz Museum and the lynching exhibit that's at the um, Equal Justice Initiative and really kind of goes into an analysis of deep fruit. Um, and then also our community initiatives page, which will tell you about all of our mobile distributions our in the, our upcoming events. And then um, this overall, we, we update it almost on a daily basis. My web developers working on it right now, just continuously um, updating with new content. Um, and then also following us on Facebook, um, it's KC, as, as if it's the first name, then June TH. And that's one that frequently we're posting from, but then also Juneteenth KC Mo. And then I think also Juneteenth KC Mo on Instagram. I might've got one. Okay. We'll figure out how to tag you on that. And if there's a way to even put in the chat, we can share those. Yeah. Share yeah, those I can blast out. Give that nice little, maybe I do like a little image or something. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do that. We'll figure out how to, we'll, we'll tag each other on social and cool. make sure we get it going. Cool, yeah. Cool. We'll do that. We'll do that. Yeah. Any more questions up on, uh, on, on Zoom? No, we don't have any other uh, or additional questions. No additional questions on Zoom right now. Okay. From our Arupe audience, Miles. Thank you. And congratulations again on the initiative at the city level, the county level, and everything that's happened at, at the federal level. We're very, very proud of you for all of your hard work. Um, now that is a city ordinance and a federal ordinance, um, what would you like to see uh, for the private businesses. So we have thousands, small, medium, large size companies, how they're now they're going to have to think about how they want to celebrate and acknowledge this new federal holiday, city holiday, um, day off, uh, service day, um, acknowledgement. Uh, just what is your vision of how we as a city in the private industries should celebrate and acknowledge uh, this, 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 this event? Well, I think they should be off work too. I think they should definitely, and I think that's what's coming. I think that's what's going, they're going to follow suit. I think um, it hit going to the federal level will now allow those corporations to, to um, acknowledge it a little bit, I guess with, with a little bit less pushback, I guess I would say. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, I think, and, but because a lot of corporations, we have a lot that are participating now. We have a lot of diversity and inclusion part, departments that are, two, I think, one, they're trying to figure out how to approach the conversation um, and how to open up the dialogue. So uh, we've had a lot more corporations this year reaching out to say, hey, can you come have a talk? You know, can we have this discussion so we could find a way to put it out in the air and so people can start to, you know, let it digest into what, what it could be in the future. So I know that that there's a lot more rumblings happening within corporations. I know um, we had a presentation with UMB Bank yesterday. Um, and of course they hadn't been made fully aware um, that the federal level had passed. So that um, was motivation for this. Say, okay, well, no, it's, it's passed it because it's a banking institution, of course, too. But, you know, that will now motivate them to be able to go ahead and follow suit. Um, and I think as, as, as the community starts to participate and really too, they see individuals within those corporations acknowledging it and really wanting it, um, really wanting it to be um, celebrated, that's where the change happens. And I would say that, that with Juneteenth KC, that's where we really have found our champions with the corporations and the partnerships that we build is they have advocated, they have gone back um, and, and said, hey, we, we want this to happen. We, you know, so if it's sending an email to your CEO and saying, hey, you know, did you see this? Did you see here that they're doing this and this group does this and make, and really making them aware that the support that we have within your, you know, the, the constituency that they're working with, that's where I think the, um, the power will come from because then they can realize, okay, it's not just a, the small pocket over here. Um, and even too, that it's not just, you know, just only the African-American staff that want to see that collectively, we all want to see that acknowledgement. And again, it's those individuals, it's the secretaries, it's the male officers, you know, that's really who advocates and has gotten Juneteenth KC as far as we have, because again, they are ones that are going during lunch with the boss and going wherever and say, hey, well, did you, did you see what they're doing? And 
you know, what can we do or how do we make this happen? And now that I think the city made a contribution because it's not, it's not free to have a day off because um, especially the city and federal level, people still have to get paid. Um, and that was a, that probably was a light bulb for me when the city started talking budget. I'm like, well, why are we talking about money? And they're like, oh, well, no, well, the city doesn't just shut down because it's off. Somebody still has to go to work. Somebody still has to be here to make sure lights come on. So it costs the city about $800,000 a year. So $5 million is what was projected over the next five years just for the city of Kansas City to have that day off. Um, and so I think corporations now seeing the city and the federal government making that contribution and acknowledgement um, to our to the, our culture will say, okay, well, hey, if, if they're you know if everyone else is willing to, to to you know take that financial loss, then you know what can we do if it's just half a day or something progressive? I think that's what will set set the tone for change. Any additional questions from anyone? <laughs> Anything you would like to add, Makita? No, I, I just thought it was great. I love the theater. I yep, think it's beautiful. <laughs> I need to do a better tour, but no, I think, I, no, I, I appreciate the opportunity. You guys can definitely stay connected, you know, via our website. I hope, you know, I've already been, you know, re-engaging and kind of fell up the map with BSU, but hopefully, you know, we can start to really get, you know, back in, um, you know, back connected and just any way we can continue to work with, with Rockers is always, you know, exciting for me to come back and just be, you know, not a student anymore, even though I wish I was sometimes when I see the bills I got down. <laughs> but um, it's just, it's just motivating. And just to see, you know, I know Rockhurst has done a great amount of work. And again, I, I attribute a lot of the way my mind works and the way I think, you know, a little bit more well-rounded and outside the box due to my education. So I always appreciate, I appreciate you and your support again you letting me be, you know, <laughs> me on campus. I know I got a lot of parking tickets and stuff, so I wasn't always the best. But uh, yeah, I was, it was very interesting. The security knows me well. But, uh, but I I appreciate my time here. I had a great time at Rockhurst. I love, I lived here up three years, all the way to junior year. So, um, and, and it was, it was, it was great. Oh, all I gotta say, a lot of stories. Well, we love you and thank you so much for being here with us today. And you are most certainly welcome back anytime. Thank so thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank and thank you everyone for participating with us today and for being here. And also for everyone who's on Zoom, thank you for being with us today and, and have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy. Happy Juneteenth. Yay, happy Juneteenth.